and 17. And that's where he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to, the Jew, to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just, that is those who are made right with God, the just shall live by faith. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just facts to be believed in. I want you to hear that throughout this whole study. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not just facts. Jesus died, Jesus was buried, Jesus rose again, Jesus... It's not just facts. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ did come. He did die on the cross for our sin. He was buried. He was resurrected. And that fact, that life, that death can transform a sinner's life from the inside out and make him or her a brand new person here and also change their destiny. See, the gospel changes everything. The gospel is more than just facts to be believed. It is a life to be lived. A life to be lived. And that life is one of righteousness and faith. And that life is only possible through the power of the gospel. Last week we talked about how we can observe the power of the gospel. The power of gospel is in its truth. It's truth. And we looked at that truth. What is the truth? Well, we, let me just rehearse it. It came from God's heart. The gospel originated with God didn't originate with man. The gospel is consistent with the Holy Scriptures. It even started way back in the heart of God before time began, but he prophesied it through the Old Testament. All this is right out of chapter 1. The gospel is con consistent with the Scriptures. It is concerning Jesus Christ. Jesus is the central theme of the gospel. The word gospel means good news. Good news that Jesus Christ came to pay for the sin debt of the world. So the gospel's truth is what, it's, what makes it powerful. And there's no other gospel. We talked about some of those false gospels last Sunday. And if you missed last Sunday, uh, the, these messages will be put up on the website. And uh, you can also access them through our church app. But today we want to look at the power of the gospel through the lens of the testimony of the gospel. In other words, how do we know? What, how can we see the difference the gospel makes? Well, the first evidence we have here is the Apostle Paul. Chapter 1, verse 1, Paul uses himself as an example of how the gospel changes a person's life. He said, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. So let's look at those three phrases. First of all, Paul was bound to Jesus Christ. Bondservant. That doesn't mean that his service was one of bondage. But rather, his service to Jesus Christ was wholehearted obedience to one who realized that he had been bought with a price. And that price was the blood of Jesus Christ. You realize the Bible says that? That we, if we are saved, we are not our own. We're bought with a price. Paul realized that. You remember the story I ended with last Sunday morning? The story of that African slave whose master was going to stab him and kill him with a spear. 
But there was a British traveler that came by and, and just in the nick of time raised up his arm to block the spear, but the spear went through his arm instead of through the slave. And as the blood spurted out, that traveler said, I, that slave now belongs to me because I just bought him with my own blood. And the master had to reluctantly let that slave go free. But that slave followed that British traveler. He said, now I belong to you and I will serve you willingly. See, that's the gospel. We realize the price Jesus Christ paid for us. Not just facts to be believed. It is a life of commitment to the one who paid the price for us. That's what changes everything. Let's look at Paul's life before he was changed. Go to chapter 8 of the book of Acts, or you can look at it on the screen. Here's what the Bible says about Paul. Now, his name was Saul before he was Paul. Now, Saul was consenting to his death. That is Stephen's death. Stephen was a preacher of the gospel. Saul consented to his death. He was being stoned. Stephen was. And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. He hated Christians. He hated Jesus. He hated this new way. Chapter 9, verse 1 and 2 says, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And then in chapter 26 of the book of Acts, Paul is giving his testimony to Agrippa after he was saved, and now he's imprisoned, and he's testifying of what Christ did in his life. He says about his former life, he said, I thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. This was the life of Paul before the gospel changed his life. He hated Jesus. He hated those who identified themselves with him. He committed his life to committing murder and insurrection against them, dragging them off into jail, separating families. But now, in Acts chapter 9, we see that he has a face-to-face, -face, so to speak, with Jesus Christ. Remember on the road to Damascus, it says in chapter 9, verse 3, as he journeyed to Damascus to put some in prison, suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. In other words, you can't keep living like this. You're, you cannot. You know what a, a goad was? It was a plowed or pulled oxen, they had the yoke uh, on its shoulders and the, and the back to keep the oxen from kicking against the, the 
plow or against the wagon, they would put sharp sticks back there. Oh, the ox may kick one or two times, but as soon as he got stabbed in the back of the leg with those goads, he would stop kicking and start pulling. And Jesus was saying, you can't keep living like this. You're kicking against the goads. And that's what he, I would say, and Jesus would say to anyone who's here today that doesn't believe in him, that he is the one and only way to heaven. You're kicking against the goads. It's going to bring pain and sorrow to you in this life, but also for all of eternity. And so, it says in verse 6, So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And it was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now, the rest of Paul's testimony is in Acts chapter 26, where he tells it before King Agrippa. We'll look at that again in just a moment. But here's what I want you to see. Paul's life was drastically changed in an instant by the power of the gospel. It changes everything. He was a Christian murderer, an imprisoner of Christians, consenting to their death, wreaking havoc, persecuting the church of Jesus Christ, hating Jesus, an enemy of the cross. But when he met Jesus, it changed everything. He even says, I was called to be an apostle. Back in Romans verse 1, verse 1, I was, I'm a bondservant now. I'm submissive to the will of Jesus Christ now. I serve him willingly. I am now called to be an apostle. An apostle was one who witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. An apostle was one who was commissioned by Christ himself. There were 12 apostles. There were 12 Paul says he was a 13th one, if you will. Actually, there would be one that replaced Judas, Matthias, in Acts chapter 1. Those are the apostles. There are no more apostles in the sense of that kind of word. But Paul was an eyewitness of Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. So he says he was called to be an apostle. And he was able to bear witness of the resurrected Jesus because he saw him, as it were, face to face. In Acts chapter 9... Verse 15 and 16, the Lord said to Ananias, who was to minister to Saul, he said, go and to meet Saul, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul received this commission through Christ. Again, in Acts chapter 26, Paul, standing before Agrippa, giving his testimony, he recounts this instance on the Damascus road. And in verse 16, he says, This is what Jesus said to me, Rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles, in whom I now, to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Christ saved him out of being a persecutor of Christians. Listen, don't ever think you're too far gone. If there was anybody that would be too far gone, it was, it was Saul. 
Don't ever think that just because somebody says they're an atheist or they don't believe in God or they're persecuting Christians in the church, they're not too far gone. They're not beyond the reach of Jesus Christ. And God can take that despicable creature like you and me, the wretch that we were, and He can transform our lives and call us to be something completely different, a witness for Him. This commission that he had, Jesus had given Paul was to take the gospel, this good news that radically changed him to all the nations. You see, it wasn't a gospel just to be believed in. It was a gospel Paul had to obey. That's what he says here. Look at Romans chapter 1. And look at verse 5. Through Him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for His name. Paul said in Romans 10.16, not all have believed the gospel. I mean, not all have obeyed the gospel. How do I obey the gospel? What does that mean to obey the gospel? You see, if the gospel were just something to... Uh, know something happened, then he wouldn't use the word obey. You see, obey implies what? Submission, right? Surrender to, to what? A higher authority. So if, if the gospel is just facts to be believed and, and not a life to be lived, then, then the devil's going to be in heaven. Because the devil knows the facts of the gospel but he will never obey Jesus Christ. He will never surrender his life to him. He said not all have obeyed the gospel. Paul said in Acts 26, 19 and 20 to King Agrippa, he said, but I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. He said, when Christ met me on the road to Damascus, I was not disobedient. I obeyed him. I surrendered my life to him. So see, he's... he's a bondservant of Jesus Christ. He's called and he's commissioned and he's obedient to go. Now, does that look like the church of Jesus Christ today? I mean, look at, the, look at the church of Jesus Christ today. How many are actually obeying the gospel or just accepting these facts of the gospel? Paul says also in that first verse of Romans 1, he was separated to the gospel of God. The gospel of Jesus had so powerfully changed his life and his allegiance that it separated him. You see, remember before Christ changed his life, he was, before he was the apostle Paul, he was the rabbi Saul. He was a Jewish rabbi. He was a religious person. Listen, you can be religious. You can be Baptist. You can be whatever religion or denomination you want to call yourself, but you can miss heaven because you missed Jesus Christ. Saul was the most religious man. He even said later in his testimony in the book of Philippians, he said, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. In other words, I was the cream of the religious crop. But I was lost without Jesus. I don't care how many times you've been to church, how many offices you hold, how many committees you serve on, how many times you've been baptized. How many times you've read the Bible through, none of those things will save you. The power of the gospel, Jesus Christ is the only thing, the only one who can save you. Works 
don't save. Religion doesn't save. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. He was a Pharisee, the strictest religious sect in Judaism. But Saul was changed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it changed his whole life. He was no longer simply obedient to a religion. He was now committed to Jesus Christ and proclaiming his powerful, life-changing gospel. He said, I've been separated to the gospel. Whereas before, Paul was separated to Judaism, which was the gospel of legalism. you got to do this, 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 and this, and then maybe God will accept you. But don't leave out this, this, and this too. Oh, yeah, and there's point A, B, C, and then there's one, two, three under that. And that's what the Pharisees were famous for, trying to interpret the law and adding to it. Being strict, they swallowed, strained at a gnat, he said. Jesus said they strained, choked on gnats, but swallowed camels. In other words, the littlest thing caught them up, but they ignored the bigger, weightier matters of life and the gospel. This gospel changed Paul. He was now separated not to a religion. He was now separated to Jesus Christ. It wasn't about being a Baptist. It wasn't about being a church member. It was about being a follower of the Savior. Are you a follower of the Savior? Or are you just a Baptist? Are you a follower of Jesus or are you just a religious person? Are you a follower of Jesus or just a church attender? The gospel changes everything it changes your whole life your whole perspective your whole desires and if it hasn't then maybe you've just believed a few facts and you never surrendered to the person of jesus christ the gospel changed paul and paul surrendered his life to obey the gospel and the gospel he says was not only for the jews but for the non-jews he says in verse 5, all nations. This was co the command given to us by the Lord Jesus in Matthew 28 and four other places in the New Testament. Go into all the world and preach my gospel. Go to all nations. Go to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's the, that's the command. That's the commission all of us are given. We'll look more about that next week. The word nations here is the word ethnos. Can you guess what English word we get from that Greek word, ethnos? Ethnic or ethnicities. The word nations here is we are to take the gospel to all ethnicities. And I remind you what the Apostle John saw in his vision in Romans 7, 9. He said, I saw around the throne in heaven members of every language, nation, tribe, and tongue in other words, there will be men and women, boys and girls from every nation on earth that are saved in heaven. Red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. I also remind you of Acts 17, 26. Paul said to the men, the wisest men in the earth, on the earth at that time, or so they thought, the men of Athens, Greece. They had this altar made to the unknown God, and Paul was saying, I want to tell you about that unknown God. His name is Jesus Christ. And Paul began to preach the gospel. And he said, And he, that God, made from one blood all the nations on the earth. Listen, if you're here today and you're an African American, your blood's the same as it is mine, white. 
White blood and black blood, same blood. You know that? I didn't hear but one amen. If you're here this morning and you're of uh, Latino descent, your blood's the same blood as my blood. One blood. Amen? If you're here this morning and you're from China or Japan, Asian descent, your blood and my blood is the same blood. You know that? The Bible said so. We need to get over all this race garbage. There's one race. It's the called the human race. We are of one blood. We all came from two couples. All of us came from Noah and his wife. And before that, we came from Adam and Eve. And how can you tell me what color their skin was? You don't know. And neither do I. And you know why? Because it don't matter. We're from one blood. And God sent Jesus to die and shed His blood for every single human being alive. Red, yellow, black, and white. Paul said, I've been commissioned to take the gospel to the, all the nations. See, that was revolutionary to the Jews. The Jews said, it's just for us. It ain't just for white folks. It ain't just for Baptist people. It's for all people. The power of the gospel can transform any sinner. Any sinner. It changed Paul. He's the testimony. He used to hate Christians. He hated Gentiles. And now God's calling him to take the gospel to the Gentiles. That's a change of life and perspective, isn't it? There's one more evidence of the change in Paul's life, and that is that he is now, whereas before he used to persecute and hate the followers of Jesus, now he loves them. He's devoted to the saints. Verse 8, he says, I thank God for you all through Jesus Christ. Another evidence of the transformation of Paul's heart was his love and concern for the followers of Jesus. He used to hate them and treat them, treat them cruelly, but now we see his heart changed. In verse 7, he calls them beloved of God. You know what that means transliter translated literally? It means God's loved ones. You have loved ones, don't you? That's your husband, your wife, that's your kids, that's your grandkids, that's your aunts and uncles, your brothers and sisters. God says, these people of mine... These who are saved, they're my loved ones. He loves them. We're beloved of God. Paul now began to see that these who followed Jesus were not hated by God like he once thought. Now they're loved by God. The gospel of Jesus changed Paul's life. He did think they were hated by God. In fact, John 16, 2, Jesus made a prophecy. In John 16, 2, Jesus said, The time is coming that whoever kills you will think he's offering God a service. Paul was the fulfillment of that prophecy, the, one of the first. Paul thought in his mind, I'm doing God a service, I'm crushing this heresy of Jesus Christ and those who follow him. But now he met Jesus and Jesus changed everything, changed his life, changed his perspective, even his attitude towards other people who didn't who followed Jesus Christ. Look at the difference the gospel makes. First of all, in verse 8, he thanks God for them. We're going to look more at this next week, the last phrase, that their faith is spoken up throughout the world. But I want you to see that Paul's ch changed. He's now thanking God for them. Look at verse 9. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Now he's praying for them. By the way, if you are a believer... 
and there's somebody you don't like, I challenge you to start praying for them. That's what Jesus said. He said, pray for your enemies, love them, do good to them, and bless them. And if you do those four things, you pray for them, seriously, pray for them, not against them. Don't pray for their failure, pray for their success, pray for God's... Seek ways to do good to them. Seek ways to speak good words to them and love them. You'll begin to see that God will change your heart toward them and open avenues of, of relationship that you never thought possible. Verse 10 through 12, he says, I make request if by some means now at last I may find a way by the will of God to come to you. Now he wants to visit them. He desires to be with them. I long to see you, he says in verse 11, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. We'll look more at that next week. He said, that is, I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often plan to come to you, but I was hindered. Paul wants to be with these believers. Let me say this. When the gospel changes your heart, you're not forced to come to church. You don't feel guilty about uh, stay at home because you don't want to stay home. You want to be here in the house of God with God's people. I tell you what, I have a big problem with people who say, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in the church. Then I don't believe you're a Christian. I'm sorry, I'm judging, but I'm human. I believe if you don't love the church, then you don't love Jesus. Because the church belongs to Jesus. Amen? We're his body, we're his bride, and somebody says, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. You're right, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. But if you're a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you will want to be with God's people. The gospel changes everything. Yeah, we are a bunch of imperfect, hypocritic, hypocritical sinners sometimes, aren't we? Yeah, the church is full of hypocrites. But the Bible says where two or more hypocrites are gathering his name. <laughs> I know he doesn't say hypocrites. But he says where two or more gather in his name, he is there. So what gives you the right to say Jesus is, is, is if, if Jesus is good enough, you're not good enough to meet with us? I mean, come on. Yeah, we're not perfect, but we're the people of Jesus Christ. We're the body of Christ. We're not perfect. But if, you're, if you've been changed by the gospel of Jesus, you want to be with his people. And let me tell you what, his people are the best people in the world. Your people, you people. I'd rather be with you people than the wicked who deny Jesus, who want nothing to do with him. Oh, yeah, we're imperfect. We step on each other's toes. We sometimes hurt each other's feelings. Maybe intentionally, hopefully not intentionally, mostly unintentionally. We don't always agree, see eye to eye, but we love each other. We're committed to each other. I'm giving you a bunch of things that aren't even in my notes. I won't charge you for this. <laughs> Paul says in verse 14, I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor. Both to the... Greeks, the barbarians, the wise, and the unwise. We're going to deal with that a little bit more next week. But I hope you see this morning, the gospel changes people's lives. It took Saul from what he was and made him Paul, an apostle, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, separated to the gospel, changed him radically. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at your life. We've looked at Paul's. Now look at your life. Do you see a radical change from what you were to what you are? Or do you see that you're still addicted to the old sins and life patterns that you always have been, but you feel better about them now because you've been saved, and now you can sin because you've been saved? 
and Jesus forgives you? Or has your life changed drastically? You know you're not perfect. None of us are. But you see a change, that kind of change, that you're no longer the same because Jesus Christ changed you. That's what baptism symbolizes. That's what I explained to Kate and to Caleb this morning. That the very the act of baptism, this is why we Baptists immerse. It's not because it's traditional. It's because it's biblical. Because the words in the Bible, baptize means to dip under. It says Jesus came up out of the water. It says Philip brought the eunuch down into the water. And because of what it actually pictures. Death, burial, resurrection. I have died to that old way of life. It no longer controls me. I am not bound to it anymore. I have been separated to Jesus Christ, not bound to this life. And I have been buried to that old way of life once and for all through the death and burial of Jesus Christ. And by the power of His resurrection, I have been raised to live a brand new life. That's the gospel. Is that your testimony? That's the gospel. Yeah, you can praise God. You can praise God for that message. Is that your testimony? If that's your testimony, praise God. But if not, you need to get right with God. You need to surrender and obey the gospel and let Jesus change your life like he changed Paul's. Would you bow with me this morning?